So well, this scripture, let's just dive right into it. This is Matthew 6, and I'll read it to you, verse 19, 20, 21. I know I added 19, sorry about that, uh, Whitney. Do not lay up treasures for yourselves, treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, our thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor, nor uh, rust destroys, where thieves cannot break in, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that is the crooks right there, verse 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, I want to pull this out and let you understand how important it seems that this scripture is here. And you know, many of you understand it, but I want to unpack it a little bit. Just in this, this is almost the constitution of Christianity that Jesus is presenting. He steps up uh, with the Beatitudes in chapter 5 of Matthew through 6 and then into Matthew 7. It is a powerful um, impact or impartation, but also an exchange because Jesus being God, who he is, and the word in fulfillment, greater than just the word, but the personification or the fulfillment of the word, he is in Beatitudes, he's understanding what men go through from, from mourning to being poor in spirit and humbling to being peaceable. He's, he's recognizing this is how life goes through. And as you go through it, I understand that. He's making a huge connection with, with mankind and men personally, but saying in that Beatitudes that here are the spiritual laws. If you keep your heart toward God, if you keep it toward the kingdom, you will overcome as a result. And that Beatitudes is a promise speaking about spiritual laws as if he were speaking about um, physical laws. Just like the laws of gravity happens this way. If you do this in the midst of being poor in spirit or in the midst of mourning or the midst of being persecuted, you keep your eyes on me, you will come through. He's saying these are spiritual laws guaranteed. Then he moves from there and gripping men's hearts. There's such an identification in that chapter. Then he moves to the similitudes, which is then don't forget now, since you know I understand, realize, and he's admonishing, strengthening them, you are salt and light. You are that which seasons as you carry my presence, my truth, my kingdom into the world of muck and mire and difficulties and make your way through them. You're going to be like salting the earth salting people's lives, bringing flavor out. So in the middle of difficulties, there's laughter, there's joy, there's life. Like, God, you're just amazing in the middle of this. Didn't check in? And your light, like a beacon of light that's going out, shedding light on what's really real and what's really not, or what's really important and what's not important. So in that, then you come to this chapter six, and he's actually beginning here to tell you how. Now that you know, now that you know I understand, now that you know I'm seeing and you've got that and you know who you are, then it's, let's check the posture of your heart, the approach of things. How do I do this? And so he addresses charity. He addresses fasting. He addresses prayer. He addresses all these things like, what, you don't do these things for show. You but do them for the secretness of your heart that, becomes, that can't be held down. But when you do it in the humility and closeness of me. So we don't do this to get our, our acceptance from men, but we do this to stay close to me. All right? And so in this, isn't it amazing? He addresses treasures and giving. And I know that this next week we have a, it's a huge opportunity or invitation to practice, to put your, your heart and put a stake in the ground like, God, I know this is what is on the docket for me this year. I'm believing you, but I know you're, you're I can't do this without you. And yet I know you're calling me to do it. And so I promise as I write this down to attend to it, and God, I'm going to move forward with you in this. So this is, an, this is, a, chance, this is a chance to do this. And, 
And, and in this, Jesus is showing us how do we give offerings? How do we, something so finite that opens the infinite, something so temporal that opens the eternal. And I love, I love this part about our walk with God, that, we're, that with faith, when I give an offering, whether it's finances or my time or my talent or anything, in faith, in love, not trying to be a big deal about it, but just because it's part of who we are, the, the giving away of our lives, that God pours out on that and multiplies it back to me. And it could be in substance and numbers in my bank account, but it could be in the wealth of the kingdom, the richness of his peace, the, the confidence I know that he's the way of all, that do all things, that he will always come through faithfully. And, you know, 42 years into this, he has not failed at all. You know, the question is, usually, am I worried about myself? Am I going to fail? You know what I mean? But keeping my heart toward him, the simplest ways bring the most profound results ever. So he addresses this. So he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So thanks for letting me get a little context here. But what he's really trying to say is not choose the right treasure, but treasure the right things. There's a difference here, okay? And it's slight, but it's extremely important. Not choose the right treasures, but treasure that active verb, treasure. Your job is to treasure the right things. If you treasure the right things, your whole life will follow as a result. Your heart and when your heart, then your actions, your thoughts, your practices, your habits, your character, your destiny. But there will be tests along this. And if we don't treasure the right things, not only would adversity compromise us, but blessing can compromise us too. In fact, I am one believes that blessing can be more seductive and turn us away from the things of God than even adversity, because adversity, your strength comes out, but in blessings, your weakness comes out because of things you're bent to. Isn't it amazing in chapter 11 of Hebrews, I just want to read it to you, that Moses chose this, verses 23 and 24, 24 actually, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people that's all right. Don't worry. We'll get that later. That's all right. It's <laughs> just water. <laughs> okay, by faith, he's he choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You hearing that? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, look, this is powerful. Just take a quick second. I mean, he was a son of the Pharaoh's daughter, at his fingertips was tremendous wealth. Egypt was the center of the world for commerce and finances and all the wealth and power that he wanted. And he could have reached for that, but being gripped about the God things in his life, the kingdom, even looking, can you, can you understand the reproach of Christ? This is Moses before Christ. So he saw salvation of men way ahead of time. He could see and feel it. This was a powerful time in his life, a great faith in him. And he let that be his treasure, not the things of the world. And he passed on that. And the result of that was a great deliverance that was a pattern for all of us to see the rest of our lives. He treasured the right things. But can you imagine the temptation in that moment? To be drawn into that? I could, I could, I could. This could be a lot different. Because it's not only the wealth, but the power that comes from wealth and the people and all the things that would gratify your life. Now, I'm not saying to have things is bad. This whole chapter talks about, you know, of course we don't lay up treasures in earth, but 
to steward your life and have things, that's not bad. In fact, Scripture's talked to us about, look at the ant, O sluggard, and how he takes care of things. And, and if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's, like, he's, he's worth, enough, worth less than nothing. He should. We should take care of those things. But the, tra- the translation here is in comparison to, this is the most important thing, God first. It goes on in these, both this chapter and Luke. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things greatly will be added to you. There'll be things to manage and take care of, but not, not the center. All of this is the center, correct? So treasure the right things. My challenge to you in this offering, set your heart to treasure the right things this year. If as homes you want or business success and all of that, what will you treasure in the middle of that? One of the things I speak to men of businesses when I said I have a chance to share with them is in talking about success is what if you get everything you want and more? What will you be doing then? That's a good question. Will you still be humbling, obeying God in the simplest of ways and from, from giving a glass of water in his name to changing whole countries and influencing communities? What will you be doing if you get everything you want? That's a good question to back up then and decide that I'm going to treasure the right things. Then when those temptations come to turn and and they may be very powerful, it'll be, no, there's a holiness or a purpose that I have that wouldn't fulfill that purpose. Three things about treasure is really important to know. You will, one, pursue your treasure. What do you mean? Well, when we, we're not a people that live by survival. We're a people that live by values and principles. And when we treasure the right things, then the values and principles that we have will follow that. God is most important. And in that, all the things about our relationship with God, honoring things that are holy to us, the way we live our lives, the, the actions we take, the, the way we think, the way we act, our practices, our habits, our character, then our destiny, we reflect all that becoming a strength in our life, not a weakness. Again, not foreboding success with substance. In fact, that's a great calling that you could have great substance. That's terrific. Just as long as the great substance doesn't have you, which is really important. But it is slight because with substance is position or title or the feeling of success. But all of this is, comes from the real source, which is God. And if it's not to have great substance, it's to have great friendships or to, to love people well. Or it could be a, a life like Homer had instead with Gomer. Was it Homer? Hosea. Homer, Gomer, oh boy. <laughs> Biblical, brilliant, academic, there you go. So Hosea and Gomer, that was his call. You know, but you know, that was a very difficult one. So I don't know why that, run, that little rabbit. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> so we, we pursue our, our pleasure. So, you know, and actually the same chapter, Matthew 6, 21, in the translation says, We'll pursue those treasures. Actually, the translation from uh, Brian Simmons. But okay, just a couple. Uh, one example of this is the wise men. I know this is so basic. Just went through the Christmas season. Matthew 2, verse 1 and verse 11. These are wise men that, that let's just imagine that they are wealthy, which I think they really were. Because why, John, do you think that? This is not a fairy tale. But wise, these wise men were kings. Why? Because why do we think they're wealthy and accomplished and had all kinds of substance? Because they had a direct entrance in with the King Herod. It's not like he receives peasants and other people who are not renowned, but when they came to the town, he received them right away. So they had to have some type of stature and authority and power. 
They had, let's just imagine they had everything that wealth could give them, and yet they chose to treasure the right things, traveling and bringing all their substance to bear to bring them to seek that which is really important. There are men that had substance, weren't busy about doing that, at least could manage it well, certainly in excellence, but they saw that there's got to be something more than stuff in our life and dominating people. There's got to be more than that. So they looked into the stars, into the sciences, so let our imagination run. And so they found this, the, the real, there's got to be something greater, and it's this king that's going to be born. And so they brought to exact all that ability to find and pursue that king. And they weren't impressed with Herod one bit, were they? But it says in verse 11, they fell down and worshipped him and opened their treasures. What a great line. They opened their treasures. Not only did they open the stuff and bring what they had to this child king, but they opened their hearts to him and went back their way to their lands. And who knows where they, what happened? Let your imagination, because they carried that true treasure with them. They treasured the right things and they received and found that treasure. Man, it's so fantastic, a true story. What are we treasuring that we would say no to that could be very difficult to say no to in our life? You know, we, I've, I've met leaders and, and I have a couple on staff that <laughs> when I approached them about coming on staff, I found out what they made and what they did for a living. I was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, you, you're doing really well. You don't want to come. <laughs> they said to me, oh, no, no, we never had the chance to give up finances for the kingdom. We're really excited about it. What kind of food do you eat in the morning, bub? That is pretty cool. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Because they knew the call. Something, they, treasured, they treasured the right things. The challenge is, as we do this offering next week, will you maintain treasuring the right things throughout the year? No matter what comes against you, what comes against Jeff and Emily, no matter what, will you trust me? Will you treasure me even when it seems like it's not going to work out? And you still have to work inch by inch in this. There's some stewardship here that's for real, folks, okay? It just doesn't like happy days happen. I know many of you are standing in faith for your businesses, and as you treasure the right things, God will find a way to bless you. And you're going to find answers to solutions that you didn't think you could find. And that in itself is a great, great blessing coming into your life. Because then your heart gets expanded, you're trusting God, and you grow in faith like Jeff and Emily, or like Julia. Julie. Julia? Julie. By the way, the Matrix have been here longer than I think anybody in the whole place, Steve and, and Barb, her parents. I think they've been going on, what, 40 years or something like that? Holy cow. Seriously, they're just, but so great we got the next generation, seriously, believing. And that's what it's about. How are we doing? Don't want to miss anything. Just conversely and not get stuck too much in another story. The rich young ruler didn't fail this test, didn't he? He did everything he was supposed to do and the blessings of God were definitely on him. And he had stature and authority and Jesus says to him, and you know the story, go and sell everything you have and you have treasures in heaven. He should have like, he should have emptied the warehouses then. Like, hurry up, let's go. Because he, but he treasured the wrong things. He treasured in a sense the resources, but he didn't treasure the source. We have so many resources come into us and they make us seem like we've got that connection. But the real connection, come on, is God is breathing on our lives and blessing us. In this offering, set your heart that God is your source. As you do, I promise you, you're going to get tested on it. God is your source. You're going to have to say to yourself maybe 15 times a day, and I know some of you guys who own businesses are making your way through. Look, God is my source. I'm going to have it out with them. Look, you're my source. 
You pursue your treasures by default. If you set your value system, you will pursue them. Set your values. Choose wisely. Okay. Secondly, your treasure will define you. Your treasure will define you. Yes, John, that's great. So these are handwritten. I just didn't know Anybody under 30 kind of doesn't understand that. So anyway, so your treasure define you. So that means you fall with your practices. So now it's your practices, your habits then have to line up with your value system. And so those habits protect you from being compromised or corrupted. Like, nope. Okay? Certain things are holy. No, we don't do that. I don't care if heaven, you know, if, if all the money in the world comes against us, we do not. We don't do that, okay? So we treasure the right things. So, Good example of this. You treasure will define you. Um, right away in this chapter, in verse 22, he says, the lamp is the eye, or the eye is the lamp of the Lord. Doesn't he say that? So he's addressing now that once we've set, the, we've treasured the right things, then you've got to keep them in your focus, is what he's saying, and then they'll be in your practices. Does that make sense? So he's addressing that, because if you don't, Keep it focused, the eye, set your heart on the right things, then you won't, then you will be defiled. There will be a test in that somewhere. So a good example of this of a failure, though, and I'm not going to spend too much time, is Gehazi, who is there's Elijah, Elisha, and Gehazi. And Gehazi, after Naaman is healed, how I many know Naaman was dipped in the Jordan seven times, came out. He went to give a gift to Elisha. Elisha would have none of that, said, no way. But Gehazi goes behind his back and receives an offering and ends up in a very, very terrible situation. But in a sense, Gehazi could have been the third in line and he could have had a quadruple portion, possibly. If it's a pattern, Elisha had a portion, Elisha had a double portion, Gehazi could have had a quadruple portion, double, double anointing. But he forsook that. Why? Because he treasured the wrong things. Okay, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or things, but there are costs in some of these things. Like they're for, I hate the words could have been, should have been, would have been, you know what I mean, in my life. Those are where the real regrets are and not for what you did, mostly for what you didn't do, right? Okay, so we'll go just past that. So. But anyway, that, but some really great examples of, of, of doing the right thing is uh, Charles mentioned it, the woman, the widow in 2 Kings first, chapter 4. She got the oil, didn't she? I just want to go there. I didn't get to do it in the first service, but... Do you remember this? She went and got the jars and oil. Now, look, just what's cool about this is, and I'll let my imagination run, it's like her husband was part of a believing group of people that were connected to the prophet, correct? And so she was all in at one time, but just her very idea of her going to Elisha to get an answer, she's begging the question, like, I know I've treasured the right things, but it's not working out. It's like, so she's in a continuum. How's that, guys? And so in it, her mind is... What's in front of her is not happening compared to what she knows is true. And she goes, she didn't go to anybody else, but she went to the prophet. She went to the God source or the God person there who represents to break the question. This is not happening the way it should be. And she's destitute. So he goes, just gives her something to do. So which is wonderful about this is it defined her. She obeyed was her def definition. It defined her obedience helped her come back to faith. If you could be, if you let, if using my imagination, in the midst of getting the pots, in the midst of getting busy, in the midst of serving, in the midst of reaching out, and I'll use this from, from line from Anne, she's stretching out her heart to every person she knows, and in a sense, she's coming back to faith. Imagine as she's gathering these pots. I remember when we worked, I remember my husband did things, I remember when we served, I remember how true God is. Oh, come on, man, she's getting her faith back in the middle of that. 
And now she's stretching out. Of course, it's a parable to every empty vessel that she could stretch out her life to. But she's, she's actually walking out and getting it from her neighbors and friends and maybe even her enemies or people at the edge of town she doesn't even know. And God's stretching her faith and her heart out. And she's re-treasuring her relationship with God. And the agent has been Elisha. And though she's in the very midst of a miracle by her obedience, by her practices that were based on her value system, which is based on treasure right things, she's actually in this beautiful harness that is refreshing her life. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Use your imagination. This is what exactly would happen to her. And not only did all of her friends and all of her family, but her, her legacy was benefited as a result of this. And thank you for that. I'll give you the byline of that because we were in prayer this week and you're the one that said her heart expanded. This is a parable to her life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your, your, your treasure, treasuring the right things will define your life. Come on. How many would change those practices so I can love people better, love people longer, love with them more? You know, because the more the blessings come into our life, the more people come into our life, the greater responsibility. But it's not a bad, it's not a bad responsibility because it's the, I blew this, explained this in the first service, but people's lives, you get to see how they are, but then you get the treasure of knowing them. Faults and successes, it's just such a treasure in your life. But it expands your ability to practically meet people, serve them, love them, have in your life the emotional expense of reaching out to them, caring for them. But the treasure of the lives into yours is, is exponential. You love longer, better, without prejudice. You reach out to their lives. How about our last past year praying, all the praying we did toward righteousness, and yet some things, as, you know, when things don't work out in prayer, it's just a chance to see all the things that were blocking my way should be pulled away. All the prejudices, all the things I thought were just right. And now my heart's open. Now what if we had the biggest harvest ever in the kingdom we've ever seen? Harvest of lives. A lot less prejudices, a lot more love because we stretched out our heart to believe God anyway, to treasure him anyway. And we actually start to learn how to love better. feel like this harvest is going to happen and we still need some repositioning of our lives. Because when you accept someone into your life and love them, you're the agent of God. You, they know when there's strings or you're putting up with them. But if we've learned to love genuinely, care for someone, have them on our hearts, that changes everything. We're agents of love. We're treasuring the right things. I know the big things like love God, love your family, love your wife and children, love your husband, love all, all those things. But there's also those things that raise up uh, that, you know, I love being right. I love comfort. I love position. I love status. You know what I mean? And those things got to take a second. I mean, being truthful and right is important in the right situation. But in the right way, we are led by the Spirit to be reconciled, to love, to become all things Paul said to all men. Not a chameleon, but a servant. Serving them with the surrender of our life to God. I was talking about this with the men the other day. You know, it's one of the great things about young men is becoming, mastering either a skill, a sport, an academic, or serving, and then they learn to master themselves. And then the great power in that is, as they gain stature, then the great power is to surrender that with intention becomes a lot more powerful than, than just doing it because you don't care. It's when you care the most about life properly, your life stewarding it, lives of others, and then you intentionally lay it down in power. That's meekness that goes into people's lives. 
We, we knew a person who would he say years ago, they wouldn't fast. They're in a very poor country and very poor. They wouldn't fast like they went to the store and bought food, put it in the refrigerator and then fasted. Otherwise, they're just starving with kind of a purpose. But when they bring food into your, they brought food into, our, into your life, into their lives, and then reframe from going, see, there's much more power and intention with that. When you really love your life, Jesus loved life more than anybody, cared for them from the natural to the people's lives around him, and yet he still intentionally laid it down, knowing the value of it and how precious it is. Psalm 22, I think it's in verse 20, my precious life is what he says right before, and God answered me. This is what he's saying on the cross. It's one of the most powerful transpires of scripture I can see. Because here's a man fully human and fully God, loving the life he has, and yet laying it down intentionally. And trusting God, reaching out to God. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Here's Jesus never letting go of treasuring his father, even when he felt he was deserted. Oh, come on. Which brings me to that last point. Your treasure has impact in your life. It has a legacy. Depending on what you treasure and the things you treasure will bring a harvest in your life. Because once you've set your treasure the right things, set your value system, your practices and your habits and going through, then the result of that, it's like all actions, thoughts, words, they go in like seed into the earth and into the world and come back to us. Amen? So by what you treasure, or the things you treasure rightly, you're going to get a harvest. It can either enhance your life or diminish. Now, again, you can do it in earthy things, but they have the law of diminishing returns. They rust and moth and can be stolen. Not that they're bad, you know, but in comparison to earthly treasures, which are ever-expanding and eternal. So when we do things the finite, with the use of our finances or our life, talents, and time, and treasures, and time, and, time and talents, then we place it in faith, it becomes eternal in God's hands. And we maintain that perspective. Wow. We're almost done. Jesus was the very best. Uh, before I get to him, David was one of the best. He's a man after God's own heart, wasn't it? Isn't that 2 Samuel 13, 14? Did he make mistakes? Huge ones. But he kept coming back to treasure the right things. That's what made him irresistible to God. And I agree with, I, I agree with uh, Georgian. He just talked to God like a father and a son. And God reprimanded him. And there was some cost to pay for some of the loss he had in his life, no doubt. But because he kept back to coming back to treasure God, he kept winning God's heart. Can I say it that way? So awesome. And his kingdom lasts forever, you know? along with Jesus. It just was amazing. Jesus was the best at treasuring the right things. As like I said, he's still reaching out to God on the cross, not diminishing his care and love for him, proclaiming it in that sense, you've forsaken me. But in a sense, what he didn't say is, I'm not forsaking you, God. I'm, I, am, I am giving my life in faith, holding on. He did the same for Peter. He did the same for Paul. Peter, he'll talk, you're going to deny me. Oh, no, 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 I won't. And it wasn't like, if you read through Matthew and Mark in each part, and Mark, I think it's in 66, 68, and 70, everywhere in this story where Peter's watching this, the fear comes on him, and he steps away. He denies him the first time in the courtyard. He denies him the second time in the gateway or the portico or the porch. He denies him the third time he's by the road. He keeps distancing himself from Jesus, and each time becoming more emphatically, I don't, I don't know him. He's just so afraid about his life. He's in fear. And it says in Scripture that Jesus looked at him at that point. Not like, I knew it, bud. He looked at him in total compassion. Like, God, Peter, I, I knew you would do this. I'm holding on to you. 
I'm treasuring you. What do you get for it? What did Jesus get for it? No sense of, Peter, I can't believe you did this to me. You know how much I love you? How much I've spent time with you? Not, not even mentioned about that. It wasn't even what he cared about. He cared about Peter. He treasured Peter. He treasured the kingdom in Peter. He knew what Peter was able to do in love. Read Peter, first and second Peter. It's ridiculously brilliant about love. How could he get there? And he held on to Peter the whole way. He never let go of Peter. There wasn't anything that judgmental. There was a holding on to Peter. That's how I imagine it. It wasn't a, I knew you'd do this. It's like he is going to get wrecked. He's wrecking himself, and I love him. And I'm never going to let him go, and he's going to come back and serve his brothers and strengthen them because he knows I love him. That love is what resurrected Peter and met him on the beach and reinstated him. Come on. There wasn't any bit of you shoulda, woulda, coulda, Peter, when he was on the beach with them. He said, this is, what you, this is what you're meant to be. I'm holding you to that because you're gifted. This, you can do this. Same with Paul. How about Paul with the road to Damascus? I know I'm always bringing up Paul, but Paul's killing me because, you know, I think Jesus met him and loved him for who Paul was. Not for, a, and he saw something in Paul that no man could see. All everybody else could see is a threat and a killer and a murderer and their lives being threatened. He speaks to Anna, Anna, Ananias, Ananias and he says to him, He's a chosen vessel of mine. Man, here's where he sees who Paul really is, the person who's tenacious, the person that won't let go of the truth. When he really finds it, if he's just trying to get his heart into Paul and Paul see him, and Paul never lets go of Jesus in that way. He'll never let accolades, he'll never let achievement, he'll never let accomplishment, he'll never let any of that stuff get in the way of his love relationship with God. And it's for all men, from the worst pauper to the greatest king. Paul is an example of what he treasured incorrectly and now treasures correctly. Oh my gosh, and Jesus did it for him. Paul is gripped by that the rest of his life. It affects his everything that he does the rest of his life. And he won't let anybody step in the role of that. And he, he holds men accountable to it. He has power enough. But it was the love of God who loved Paul for who he is and who he was. He's a chosen vessel. Even before Paul got transformed, Jesus he, it was happening to him. Jesus held on to him. He treasured, he never let go of treasuring the right things. Stand up. We have to get done. All right. Wow. So stunning is Jesus. I tell him, he's the best at this. And of course you say, of course he's going to be the best at this. But I do tell him, like, you are the best at that. How did you do that? With no sense of self or caring that he is, he's the Lord of all, the King of all. There when the creation happened, bending down, kneeling down to Peter, kneeling down to Paul in their hearts, holding on to their lives. We can't, what will we say of Pontius Pilate or, or all those others? We don't know the end story about them. That love never stops treasuring their life. Let's set our treasures this year on what's really important. Everything else will fall into place. Seek first this and everything will be added to us. Will there be work? Will you have to do this again and again? Oh yeah, I'm real bad at this. I'm getting better. God in our personal life, Pat in our life, has shown off in restoring our lives. I can tell you. He is a show-off. He's amazing. I say that with every honor. 
the moment we came into this place after having a fire and everything in our life touched and destroyed, when the moment we stepped in here, we knew we had held all the, the most important treasure by being right here at People's Lost. Us being a part of it and you being part of us. No comparison. None. It's like walking into Walter Reed Hospital with Jason Pock, his legs blown off from an IED and his arm terribly injured. The moment I heard his voice, we didn't know what to expect. It's like, God, that, that treasure of his life is still intact. He'll have some inconveniences, but oh my gosh, is that important. Oh my gosh. No comparison. So blessings of God will overtake us this year, and they will. But treasuring the right things will keep you from any temptation to think it's about you or about some resource. Although we appreciate all of that, it's about the source. We're living with an eternal view in our minds. Let's, let's break all the strongholds. Let's break the chains. And it starts right in here. Right here. Let's break these chains. Then you can help break your brother's chains and your enemy's chains. All right? Father, thank you. We're going to spend this year thanking you for hardships as well as blessings and breakthroughs. Our heart determined to embrace the life you set in front of us, sometimes inch by inch, drop back, back at it inch by inch. We'll do this. Sometimes great breakthroughs. All of it, we give you the glory. Nothing can separate us from you treasuring us. Nothing. Nothing. We put that to the sticking place and hold on. Blessing or adversity, God. You will be praised. And this house will be a living example. I pray. We lift up the next few days as we contemplate our trajectory and where we are going to be. We ask you to speak clearly, honestly. Open our ears and our hearts to you. We want to see your miracle power move through us. We ask this in light of the power of Christ in our lives and what he's done for us. We thank you. Amen. Amen. The altar's open. We'd love to pray. There's people here who have been praying all week just to pray for you. Tuning up and ready to pray for healing, breakthroughs, a point of faith. Please don't be shy and all that. Otherwise, I bless you to have a really, really heart-filled, treasure-filled Valentine's Day. Amen. God bless. Thank you.